We are dedicated to spreading the good news of Jesus Christ through all available means with a sole focus of teaching the word, making it plain, sharing it with love. Good morning, FTC. I'll be reading the scriptures for today. Our first scripture comes from Philippians 1 and 6. This is the easy to read version. And it reads, I am sure that the good work God began in you will continue until he completes it on the day when Jesus Christ comes again. The second scripture comes from Philippians 4 and 13. Christ is the one who gives me strength and the, the strength I need to do whatever I must do. In Galatians 6 and 9, and it reads, We must not get tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time. We must not give up. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of the word. Amen. We thank Sister April for reading our word this morning. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, the hearers, the doers, and the sharers of his word. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word will do what it's set out to do. And so, Father, I ask you to illuminate our hearts and our minds. Give us a mind to understand what the word is saying to us today. Give us a heart to receive it, God, and the courage to apply it in our lives so that Resurrection Sunday is every day. It's not just today. It's not just during Holy Week that we highlight what your life means to our lives. But, Father, Plant this word in our hearts and let us understand all the different applications and all the ways that our lives will be better after we've heard and we've done the word of God. So enlighten us, build us, strengthen us, make us, help us to live like you did in these times, in the times of a perverse generation so that we can stand out. And we can provoke men to Christ. That is what we really want to do. That is the thing that drives us most, our love and our dedication to you. And so help us as we live this life in a way that will bring you glory, not just today, but every day. And it's in your precious son, Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. And so as a lot of Christians have um, this week, I spent a lot of time in reflection about the life and the times of Jesus Christ and all of the events that rolled out in his life, not just in what people call Holy Week, and that's the time frame between Palm Sunday and his resurrection, but his entire life, the things that he said and the words that he spoke in prophecy about what would happen to him, about what his purpose was uh, in this earth. And surely the ultimate purpose was to buy back our salvation. But we are sadly mistaken if we think that the only reason Jesus came was for us to be personally saved, for us to personally spend eternity in heaven. That is surely part of the package, but it's only part of the package. And so as I reflected on his life, um, one of the things that he said stood out to me, and it was it's found in John 10, 
and it's the scriptures around that he's talking about how he is the good shepherd and how he gives his life for the sheep. And he goes on and he says that the father loves him because he gave his life. He said, I give my life so that I can get it back again. No one takes my life from me. I give my own life freely. I have the right to give my life and I have the right to get it back again. And then Jesus goes on to say that this is what the father told him. And of all the things that happened in his life, particularly the horrifying things that happened between the people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord and his rising and leaving the tomb, all of the things that happened in between that week are the things that stand out in our minds. But of all of those things, these words resonated with me and they kept coming through my mind this week saying, what does it mean that he gave his life so that he can get it back again? And the other scriptures that Sister April read to you this morning for sure points to the reason that he did it so that he could purchase us. Again, in my faith, believe not just for eternal life, but for this life and for the one to come. And so one of the things that I want to do this morning is to go into a little detail, and I don't have the time, so I can't do it all, but I want to go into a little detail about what happened through the life of Jesus Christ, and then I ask you the question, do you think he went through all of that just so you could live marginally in this life while you wait on the life to come? And so I'm just going to go through a few things, and I want you to use your sanctified mind, your creative brain to paint a picture, because sometimes in 2021, I think it's hard for us to really relate to what Jesus actually went through so you could have this life and we clean it up and we don't even most of the time have blood dripping from him as he hangs on the cross because we can't really stomach it. We can't really internalize it. We don't really want to because we want everything clean and easy and all that. And so we say, oh, he died. Didn't he die? And we say, oh, he rose. Happy Resurrection Sunday, he rose again, but we rarely say, oh, he suffered. Didn't he suffer? Because sometimes, and I know some of you have been in this place where the suffering was so much that you preferred death. So in many ways, when we ignore the suffering, we don't really understand the death because of the suffering, the death may have actually been the easier thing. And so we roll back a little bit in his time before he was actually on the cross in the grave and risen this morning. We roll back a little bit and we bring Judas to mind, the same Judas that Jesus was washing his feet as he knew he was planning to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And I know some of y'all have had best friends, close friends that betrayed you. So 
And I know, this is what I know about us too. We haven't always been big enough to love on them when we knew that they were talking behind our backs. We lash out some sort of way when we realized that those people that we pulled dear was betraying us behind our back. And so we know the feeling of betrayal, but do we really know what it feels like to love unconditionally and unequivocably when we have those friends that are betraying us? Or do we know what it feels like to get even? I want to submit to you today that Jesus was fully God and fully human. I don't want you to forget about that. And so everything that you feel at betrayal is what he felt at betrayal. But the Bible tells us that even though he knew what was going on in Judas's heart, he still knelt. He still washed his feet. He still gave him something to eat, just like he did everybody else in the room. So that was part of his suffering. And then I want, to, I want you to focus on Peter. And we know the story of how Peter denied Jesus. And we focus on how Peter got so upset he started cussing because the little girl was pressing him. I, I don't know if y'all pay attention to that, but it was a little girl saying, I know that I've seen you with him. Your speech betray you. I know you with him. And the Bible goes on to talk about how Peter cussed and he denied Jesus. And then the cock crow on after he did it three times. And we focus on that. But I want to remind you that in the book, of Mark, it tells us that every last disciple that Jesus had left him and fled. And so he had spent three years up close telling these disciples what to expect. And when the hour came, they left him and they fled. Have you ever thought you had a ride or die? That's what we call them today. You thought you had a ride or die. And then when things went down, they fled and they left you. Do you know that feeling? So Jesus, after having fed these disciples and hung out with these disciples all this time, he had to suffer all alone. All the men that he had taught and everything that he had invested in for three and a half years abandoned him. Not just in any hour, but in his hour of greatest need. And then we see uh, Jesus Christ, I bring you to him carrying the burdens of the sins of the world. And I submit to you that his greatest agony didn't just start when he was actually hung on the cross. And we've talked about this before, that his agony began in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was there and his agony was so intense that the Bible says his sweat dropped down with blood. It was, it was blood mixed into it. The, the people who have studied it later on say that it was actual blood. And I, I know I haven't, and I know I have been in agony, but I know I have never been in an agony where my sweat starts dripping with blood. I've sweat, I've, I've for certain started sweating because I was in agony, but I have never been in so much agony that my sweat and my blood started to mix and come down my face. And if you remember the scene in the garden, the Bible says that he put his faith 
on the ground. He was in so much agony. And so that's another piece of what he suffered. And I'm not sure that any of us have experienced agony to that point, but I am sure that all of us have experienced agony. All of us have been in that place where we're like, Lord, give me relief or come get me now. How many times have you said, come, Jesus, come, because life just wasn't going like you wanted it to go. And these are the things, just some of the things that Jesus suffered for us. And then I bring you to mind the Jewish leaders. Have you ever been in a place where you were falsely accused and the people who should have been embracing you were rejecting you? And I want you to pull that heartache to mind. And I want to say to you that Jesus experienced that heartache, but he experienced it at a different level because the very people that he came to save are now blindfolding him and cursing him and accusing him of blasphemy. And they even spat in his face. And I know, I know y'all, cause I know me, somebody spit on us. We ready to duke it out. But Jesus, the Bible says never fought back in retaliation. And so I want you to think about the level of self-discipline that it takes for somebody to spit on you and curse you and falsely accuse you. We cannot stand to be falsely accused. We want to run around and catch the lie and tell everybody, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But Jesus didn't do any of that. This is part of the suffering that he did for you, that he did for me. And I want you to think about why would he do that just so you could live marginally in this life and wait on the life to come. And I say to you that that's a wrong understanding of why he did it. And then I bring the Roman guards to mind, the ones after Pilate had caved into the pressure from the Jews because Pilate knew that there was no evil in Jesus, but he was a politician. And so he did what the people wanted him to do. And then this is when it starts to get bloody and when it starts to get just unimaginable to us because we've never had to see this that way. But I want to bring to mind he is, has now been spat upon. He has now been falsely accused. He has been betrayed. So it's easy for us to run over all of this and go to the cross and the burial and, and the resurrection. But I want to bring you to these moments where he was suffering fully God and fully human, feeling everything that you feel, feeling things that you can't even imagine. And now, after all of that, he is being mocked and abused by Roman soldiers. And beyond that, the Bible tells us how they flogged Jesus with a whip. And I don't know that if you could really understand this, you may understand part of it in the context of slavery and how they used to be whipped. But I say to you that Jesus whip was worse than that, at least as I understand it, because everything that I've seen with the slave whip was one whip in the back and it was slash it would slash the slaves backs but this whip that they whipped your savior and mine with had three three uh 
endings to it, three whips to it in one with bones or metal pieces tied into the end of it such that when it hit their back, it would dig into the skin. And when it ripped out, it would rip the skin. And some scholars say that before it was all over, Jesus's back looked like the hamburger meat that you buy in the grocery store. And I'm not trying to minimize what the slave went through because that was horrible enough. But I am saying this is a whole nother level of horror where they are whipping you with three whips, each swing, three whips with metal and bones to intentionally open wounds and drag it down your back, drag it down your body, wherever the whip hits to shred your flesh. That's a whole nother level of horror. And then while they are doing that, the Bible says that they mocked him and they pretended to worship him, making fun of the fact that he called himself king of kings and lord of lords. And can you imagine a picture now, not just of his ripped flesh, but of the amount of blood that must have been coming from his body at this point. And then the Bible tells us that he was crucified between two thieves, not even seen worthy to be crucified alone. But the mocking continued even as he hung on the cross, metal spikes driven in his wrist, metal spikes driven in his feet, his mangled body up against the wood on the cross. You know what it feels like to have an open wound and then something touches it? His was up against wood, open, blood everywhere. So that's why we clean it up because we can't stand the reality of the suffering that he took for you and that he took for me. And I bring you to mind that he was still alive. He was still alive. And when they hung him there in the shameful position, that was the worst way that you could kill somebody back in that day in the shameful position for you and for me is something that happened even more that was more frightening and more much more suffering than I have described already. And that is when the father, because Jesus was hanging there for you and for me, that is when the father turned his face because God, has nothing to do with sin, whether it's in me, in you, or on Jesus Christ. And we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus wasn't just holding our sins. The Bible says he became sin for us, still suffering for us. He became sin for us. And in that condition, God could not even stand him. And at that moment, the Bible tells us that that's when he finally couldn't take it anymore. That's when the suffering 
became too much and he yelled out, Father, Father, why have you betrayed me? And I bring all of that to mind intentionally in the context of the scriptures that we read this morning because I want to say that he didn't just do that so we can focus on the life to come for sure. That is part of our focus, but he did that so we could have life abundantly. And when I was thinking about that scripture where he said, I give my life so I can get it back again. Yes. He was talking about his physical life. Yes. He was talking about the day when he was going to walk out of death grave and the, and victoriously, yes, he was talking about that day when the women would show up and they would no longer find him. Yes, he was talking about that day, but he was also talking about the life that we have, the life that he would give us. He did not suffer like he did. He did not go through everything that he went through so that we could live marginalized lives in this realm. The Bible says that when he filled us with the Holy Spirit, heaven became a guarantee for us. But what about this life now? Some of us live this life and we say stuff like, I'm just human. And I say to you, you don't see yourself correctly. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says about you that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. So you are not just human. You are human filled with the spirit of the Holy Ghost. And why would he do that? Why would he go through the suffering? Why would he guarantee your spot in heaven? I would say so that you don't have to worry about heaven. You have to concern yourself with the life right now. You have to concern yourself with what it means to live life abundantly. And when I kept thinking about this scripture, I was like, Lord, we are part of what you mean when you said I laid down this life so I could get my life back so that he could get his life back through me so that he could get his life back through you. And we live marginally in this world. We live as if our dedication is to this world. We live as if our loyalty is to this world. We live as if the world gets to dictate how we go in and out amongst men. And I'm saying that you are part of the life that he gets to get back. You are part of the life and part of the reason that he had in mind when he suffered those things. If it was just about his death, he didn't have to suffer those things. He could have just died. But he suffered those things. He suffered the humiliation because he was saying to you, you can do it too because you're not just human. When I get through with this, you're not just human. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, him in you, you in him, a royal priesthood, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That is who you are. And sometimes because we don't see ourselves correctly, we live far beneath our privilege here on earth. And I hope you hear me talking about more than money. 
I'm not just talking about money. That can be a part of the package too if you want it to be a pack part of the package. The Bible done already told you. I know how to get wealth. And he told us how to get wealth. He gave us the strength to get wealth. He gave us the ideas to get wealth. But you got to get up and you got to do something. You can't keep praying and pondering in your mind. You got to get up and you got to do what God has told you to do. And why wouldn't you do it when you think about the suffering that he went through so that he can get the gifts out of you? Some of y'all sitting on gifts that you are too afraid to use because you're scared you might fail and somebody might talk about you. Who cares if somebody talks about you? The only way he's going to get the gift out of you is if you get up and you do something, if you push past your fears and you push past your insecurities. And I submit to you today that he suffered so that you don't have to yield to your insecurities, so that you don't have to yield to your fear so that you can realize that he is living on the inside of you, just waiting for an opportunity for you to get up, for you to believe God and for you to do something. He didn't suffer just so you could wait on the life to come. And I might say that three more times before we get through here today. He did not suffer just so you could sit and wait on the life to come. He suffered so that you could bring his realm into this realm and make a difference in this world. He suffered so that every gift that he has given you, every idea that he has given you, you will have the courage and the power and the strength to do it. But when I look around the body of Christ, I see dreams deferred, <laughs> just like the people who don't have Christ living on the inside of them. I see crying and complaining, just like the people who don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. I see families in shambles, just like the people who don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of, side of them. I see people bound to addiction, just like the people who don't have the spirit of Christ living on the inside of them. I see people filled with disease, just like the people who don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. I see people living in lack just like the people who don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. I see love lost. I see broken hearts, just like the people that don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. I find dreams in the grave, songs in the grave, dreams never lived out, just like the people who don't have the spirit of Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. And so I say to you today, he didn't just suffer so that you could worry about the life to come. He suffered so that he can get his life back in this realm, so that his kingdom can come in this realm, so that our nation and our world can be healed in this realm so that your life can provoke people to jealousy in this realm. The realm to come 
is guaranteed. The ram to come is guaranteed as long as he lives in you and you allow him to change you from glory to glory. If you allow him to be the Lord of your life, if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, if you have yielded to him the life to come, is guaranteed. He needs you to be busy in this life. And some of us sit around and we say, the devil stole and the devil did and the devil said and the devil. And I want you to stop giving the devil so much credit. He can only do what God allows him to do. And I submit to you that he can only do what you allow him to do. And so if the dream are not manifested in your life. And so if the love that you so deeply desire is not happening in your life, if your relationships are not full in your life, if your visions have not come forward, it's not because the devil stole it. It's because you gave up. It's because you stopped working. It's because you didn't realize who you were. You didn't realize the access that you have. You didn't realize why Jesus suffered. He suffered. He suffered so that he could get his life back. And he got it back, but he deserves to get it back through you. And so I encourage you to examine your life, examine your dreams, examine the visions that God has given you, the desires that he has given you. Examine your family. Examine your work. Examine your finances. Examine everything about you and view it again in the life of Jesus Christ, in light of Jesus Christ's suffering. View it again in everything that he went through and ask yourself why. Why did he do it? Why did he say to you that you can do all things through Jesus Christ? Not by yourself, but through the one who gives you the strength to do all things. Why would he say that to you and then expect you to do nothing? There are expectations when he gives you the strength to do everything he done told you to think about. There is an expectation that comes along with that. Why would he encourage you to not be weary in well-doing and tell you that at the right time, you're going to reap the harvest if you don't give up. And some of y'all gave up and blamed the enemy, but I'm going to encourage you today to re-examine all over again. What have I lost? Not because the enemy stole it. He can't, the Bible tells you if you resist the enemy, he has to flee from you. He can't take anything from you, but you can give him ground by your choices and by your decisions. And so why would God give you these promises for now and not expect you to do something with them. And I remind you that God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a spirit of power, love, sound mind, self-discipline. Why would he give you that only for the life to come? You don't need self-discipline in the life to come. You don't need that 
for the life to come. You need that for now. You don't need to worry about fear in the life to come. There's nothing for you to fear. You need to examine why you have a fearful heart now. Why would God remind you that he didn't make you timid? That that's not him. If you feel timid, that's not him. If you feel fearful, that's not him. Why would he remind you of that and then expect nothing from you? I submit to you to examine your life all over again alongside the suffering of Jesus Christ. And I say to you, not just on this Sunday, but every day, we owe him. We owe him to give him back the life he laid down. We owe him to change this world. We owe him to bring the visions that he's given us to light. We owe him to live out every dream. We owe him to use every skill for his glory, every gift for his glory. We owe him to go into eternity empty. And so if you are, if you are losing today, if you have lost, I say the enemy didn't steal it, that you gave up. And I want you to go back and get your stuff. I'm not talking about physical stuff. I'm talking about getting everything that God has given you, every skill, every vision, every idea. And I want you to realize this morning, even if you haven't done it before today, it's not over until you give it up. And that's the word for you today.